All right. Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Tuesday, March 21st, 2022, and our catechesis today will continue in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. Mm, let's see. I think that's good for now. So oh, where did my gadget go? That's way over here. Let's cut that <laughs> Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Memory verse, we say it together. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Luke 10, verse 2. Right. Our psalm for the week is Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Good. And our catechism for the week is what here is other pastors, uh, this, the second two, or last two verses, I should say. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. First Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 13. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Hebrews 13, verse 17. All right, our first reading today is from the prophecy of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. Now, while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore consider the matter and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command 
to restore and build Jerusalem, until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublesome times. And after sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood, until the end of the war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. All right. Oh, so much going on in this uh, text. Of course, Jesus cites it. When you see the abomination of desolations in the holy place, let the reader understand, he says in Matthew uh, during Holy Week. Right. Of course, referring uh, back to let the reader understand, yes, the prophet Daniel. He wants you to uh, let the reader understand as a, as a cue for you to go and search the scriptures, all right? Um, and also, you know, maybe to make reference to it in your preaching, in, in the case of the preacher. Oh, many things. Uh, what should we cover here? I, I would say one thing to note is uh, we find that even while Daniel is in exile in Babylon, uh, being trained as a priest, along with his uh, contemporaries, Azrael, Mishael, and, and Hatzael, as you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they are they are continuing with the prayers and thanksgiving um, and keeping the orders of service, so morning, noon, and night, right? And so it's the hour of the evening offering, the hour of uh, the incense offering, which we see Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, doing uh, when the angel Gabriel comes and speaks to him, not a coincidence, uh, and announces the conception of John, or the soon-to-be conception of John, all right? Um, so that's one note, and let's see. So it's important to note that they continue their prayers even while they are in exile in Babylon. And then the vision, um, 70 weeks, we've talked about 70 weeks. The one-year lectionary um, actually highlights this in a way that the three-year series does not, uh, in that the one-year has those three Sundays of what we call pre-Lent, or the Gesema Sundays. And I mentioned that it referred to those 70 years in exile in Babylon, or as Daniel says it here, um, seven weeks, 70 weeks, right? Of course, it's seven weeks for us, so seven times 10. All right, so it's it's referring to this prophecy again, and of course, the last of the seven weeks, or the 70 weeks, is that, so there's 62 weeks, and then there's the seven to which um, the Messiah, the Prince, comes, right? And it'll be troublesome times, right? And in the middle of the week, you'll bring an end to sacrifice and offering. We'll see that in Matthew today uh, with the temple. And then, of course, it is an abomination of desolation that you would murder murder the Son of God, right? Um, and that you would have, as he cleansed the temple, have desecrated the temple by refusing to offer right sacrifice, right sacrifices of prayer and thanksgiving. And, of course, Jesus comes and makes the true sacrifice and brings about forgiveness uh, for all people. So it's all there prophesied in um, Daniel, right? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, that is to, to bring it to its terminus, and to anoint the most holy, right? Lovely. What a great text. All right, so let's hear um, the culmination here of Jesus' suffering and death, if, according to Matthew. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lamek Sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling Elijah, or for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, uh, were looking on from afar. And among those were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Now, when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had been also been become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Okay. So uh, what hour is it when the darkness came on the land? This is not the normal hour. Uh, it says about the sixth hour to the ninth hour. So uh, Matthew and the other evangelists, they reckon time differently. I know Luke uses um, the Roman numbering. Um, here, this is the, the, the Jewish numbering. Matthew writing to Jews, presumably. And so it's um, the sixth hour would be six hours after sunrise. So this would be about noon until three, right? Noon till three. And then uh, what did Jesus cry out about the ninth hour? Eli, Eli, Lamech, Sabachthani. That's Aramaic for... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, these words are found in Psalm 22. And as I said before, let the reader understand is a key word to go search the scriptures. Uh, But as I've suggested to you many times, when Jesus quotes a scripture, it's worth going to see its broader context, right? I, I would suggest that maybe he prayed the whole psalm, which is what we actually do liturgically on Maundy Thursday evening, right? We hear the whole psalm to kind of set the context for the next day. Well, which is the same day, according to Hebrew reckoning. All right. Um, So it starts this way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, my God, I cry to you in daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent, right? But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted. You delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed but I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people, right? All those who seek me, you heard this yesterday, ridicule me. They shout out the lip, they shake the head, wag the head, saying, he trusted in the Lord, let him rescue him, let him deliver him, since he delights in him. 
So the people used the psalm yesterday to mock Jesus. Today Jesus is praying it. Um, let's see. And if you go to the end, uh, I don't even know where to end. I'll just read the very end. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. That's tradition. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. Right? So we preach Christ and him crucified. Stumbling block to Jews, a rock of offense to Gentiles, but salvation to those who believe. Psalm 22, all right there. Could pack that right in. Um, so again, calling out in the confidence of faith to the Father to rescue him from the enemies who surround him, as the psalm does. What did the people think Jesus was saying? You know, he's calling out for Elijah. Elijah. Um, so one of them grabs a sponge, fills it with sour wine, puts it on a reed, right, and gives it to him to drink. Again, again, quoting the psalm. I think that's Psalm 69, right? Yeah, we heard that on uh, last Friday. What did the others say? Let's see, right, if Elijah will come and save him. All right, and then according to Matthew, after that, Jesus cried again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. You know that if you take all uh, four gospel accounts of the suffering and death of Jesus, um, uh, it was the tradition of our churches for a long time, actually, to uh, hear the seven last words of Jesus and and to do that with a, a three-hour service from noon till three. All right. Uh, we're going to be using one that's, I think, from Wolfenbüttel. Yeah, I think so. It's from the Wolfenbüttel Church Order. Um, at just a region in Germany, doesn't matter. Uh, called the, we call it the Chief Service of Good Friday. It's about an hour and a half, maybe. So we'll pray that on Good Friday in the afternoon. All right. Um, so he cries out with a loud voice and yields up his spirit. The end. Not quite with Matthew. Uh, so as I indicated, uh, according to the prophecy of Daniel, making an end to sacrifice, we see that indicated here with the temple, uh, with the veil of the temple being torn in two from top to bottom, right, as he gives up his spirit. Of course, now that is indicating that uh, the uh, temple and its uh, val- uh, validity or its value um, has ended, right, the pointed use. question is whether it was even supposed to be rebuilt um, in the way that they did. I know they had the right idea, but uh, of course Herod expanded it greatly, and yet um, the Ark of the Covenant never returned. So that should have been their hint. Yeah, there you go. Or the, nor the glory cloud, regardless. Here, um, now the access to God is not through the temple curtain veil, but rather through the body of Jesus. Through the body of Jesus. All right. Uh, and then we have some other signs too. We have the rocks being torn open and the earth quaking, right? And the dead being raised and the bodies of the saints who are fallen asleep raised. So a little bit of telegraphing here as to uh, what will come with Jesus, right? Of course, after Jesus is raised, they even Matthew even tells you that, um, they would go into the holy city and appear to many. All right. And then remember yesterday we heard, they, they mocked Jesus saying, if you are the son of God, you know, quoting uh, the satanic lie or the satanic question from the temptation, all right? Uh, or he says he's the son of God, and they said that mockingly. Um, but here now we have a Gentile centurion, a Roman centurion, confess, truly, this was the son of God, right? What a beautiful confession. Roman soldier, a Gentile. Of course, Matthew have telegraphed that from the beginning with the uh, the Magi coming with their gifts and confessing him um, as king of the universe, right? All right. And then uh, we have the women watching from afar. Uh, here recorded three, Mary, 
of Magdala, and then Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and then also the mother of Zebedee's sons. And that's significant because back in tw- chapter 20 of Matthew, um, the mother of, of James and John had asked that James and John sit at Jesus' right and left hand when he entered into his kingdom. All right. Uh, and, and Jesus says, that's not for me to give. And then now she sees who actually dies at Jesus' right and left hand, two robbers, as he's labeled king of the Jews. All right. Um, let's see, we have a question or a statement. I don't know. We'll see if it's a question. Elijah is supposed to arrive before Messiah, Messiah takes the throne. That That is certainly um, the understanding of uh, some of the Jews of Jesus' day. We know this from actually the account found in the in the Dead Sea Scrolls, right, at um, Qumran, right? So if he was dying, I assume they are reminding the people of the prophecy, right? He won't die if he's truly Messiah because Elijah will come save him and then he'll take his throne and conquer Rome. Yeah, that's that's their, I think that's a pretty good summary of the uh, pious opinion. Uh, there's questions about who is the Messiah too. It seems, depending on which tradition you're a part of, and you know there's kind of warring traditions. You have the Pharisees and the Sadducees don't even agree on on certain dogmatic truths um, because the um, Sadducees hold exclusively to the Torah, that is the first five books, whereas the Pharisees, of course, have Moses and, and the prophets and the Psalms, um, and so do the scribes. And then, um, uh, but they have different, you know, so they have different teaching about the resurrection. Some deny, say, the confession of Job and Job 19, for example. That would be the Sadducees. Um, so that's one example. But also when it comes to the Messiah, um, and this comes up in the context of the transfiguration, because you have Moses and Elijah there, right? And the key with the transfiguration is, is that um, uh, Moses and Elijah actually go away, and then the Father says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased, listen to him, right? So the, just like we saw in Daniel 9, in the prophecy here, um, right, to seal up vision and prophecy, so both both Moses and Elijah um, are and representatives of, of the prophets of, of old are sealed up, right? They're, they're brought to a conclusion or fulfillment. All right. Uh, Sadducees were sola scriptura, whereas Pharisees have rabbinic teaching. Yeah, and that's true today. I was listening to a, um, well, I was actually listening to a commentary about, <laughs> from a, a, a very, uh, what do they, they call them reformed rabbi, but that just means liberal rabbi. I'm talking about, how this rabbi was using to justify transgenderism and um, you know sexes other than male and female as being in the scriptures, but by the scriptures he was referring to uh, the Mishnah and the the Kabbalah actually, <laughs> which is a, a a Jewish mystical tradition um, from the from medieval periods, right? So much a long time after Jesus. So yeah. I'm a modern uh, Hillitite Pharisee, LOL. So my views, my, yeah, I know. There's so many different traditions. We have the same problem um, among Christians, right? Uh, and even in our case, you know, we are of the of a Lutheran confession. So I'm just that just means coming from Luther and uh, his reform attempt to reform the Roman Catholic Church. But um, even amongst Lutherans, there's not consistency. And then amongst Reformed, those who sought reform of the Roman Church. There's not consistency. And even among Roman Catholics, there's not consistency. So there's traditions within traditions within traditions. This has always been true. Um, you know, and there must be distinctions amongst us, you know, that the scriptures um, would certainly be be the sole source and norm for our faith and life, right? And that we let that distinct um, not only distinguish us, but also um, 
well, be our source of reconciliation. Good. All right, good question. Now, uh, let's moving along. We have, yeah, evening coming, right? And uh, who came at evening? Joseph uh, from Arimathea, a rich man. Uh, just a note, I suppose. But note that he had become a disciple of Jesus, right? So Joseph asks for the body of Jesus, um, which is interesting, right? Because if this is a, uh, a rich uh, man of Jewish heritage, I mean, to touch a dead body, of course, is to um, make one ritually unclean for the, in this case, the Sabbath day, which is the next day. So he would not be able to celebrate the Sabbath the following day, which I think is uh, important to note here. And then, uh, but Joseph cares more about his Savior than he does about the Sabbath day, right? The Sabbath day is not, is, is actually to point to the Savior, right? So there he, here he takes Jesus off the cross with some assistance, presumably wrapped him in linen cloth, laid him in a tomb, uh, a tomb hewn out of rock and rolled the stone against the door before departing, right? And witnessing this, which will come in uh, to the story with the resurrection, of course, they know where to go to find him, is Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. They watch him do this, right? Uh, so you saw here in the title frame, found this, uh, mm, it's probably Renaissance era painting, um, trying to show the preparation of Jesus' body for burial, which is quite incredible. All the skulls on the ground, you know, indicating his death, and the tomb, the tomb in the background, hewn out of the rock, right, and the women sitting by the tree watching. Yeah. So this all happens on the day of preparation, which is the remember it's the fourteenth day of the first month, so it's also the day that this that the lamb would be sacrificed. So before sunset, the body uh, must be in the tomb, and uh, they have to be prepared for the Sabbath which is the next, the following day. And it's a high Sabbath, of course, being the Passover Sabbath. Why did the chief priests and Pharisees uh, come to Pilate? <laughs> uh, yes, they remember the words of Jesus, right? That Jesus would uh, said that he would rise again after three days. Um, so the Pharisees don't have problems remembering Jesus' words and the chief priests, but the 11 did, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? All right. Uh, the Pharisees then, they call Jesus... Oh, yes, how that deceiver said, right? So they're ascribing to him a satanic lie, right? Of course, they are the ones who are held captive by Satan, their father, as Jesus says earlier uh, during Holy Week in John's Gospel. What they want from Pilate? Yeah, they want Pilate to secure the tomb, right? To prevent this deception from being worse than the first, right? Again, more deceit. Because um, the Pharisees and chief priests are saying, and I've, I've heard this actual statement still repeated today, ironically, that, oh, somebody came and stole Jesus' body. He didn't truly rise from the dead. They're concerned about that too. And it seems like Matthew wants to make sure that we, that we notice that they did, they, both Roman and Jewish authorities did everything within their power uh, to prevent the deception that Jesus would have raised from the dead. Of course, it's true that he did, right? And so um, Pilate tells them to go and secure the tomb, right? Which they do. They seal the tomb and they set a guard right? But what can keep Jesus, uh, who has suffered and died at the will of the Father, um, completing the sacrifice needed for sin, what can prevent him from being raised from the Father? Uh, some guards and a seal? Even death itself? No, right? So to the psalm again, Psalm 22, Jesus trusted in his Father to save him from the power of death itself. He did not try to save himself, but relied on the God of Elijah to show who is really God. 
It was the testimony of his father that would reveal Jesus as the true son. By Jesus' faithfulness, the veil of the temple was torn so that we may enter the holy, most holy place in the presence of the Father through the veil of Christ's flesh. For that see Hebrews 10, 19 and following. He drank the bitter wine of his Father's anger that he might receive the sweet wine of salvation and the blessed supper, or that we might receive that. The power of the grave is shattered so that the bodies of saints are released from its power. By the resurrection of Christ, it is revealed that the saints shall come forth from the grave and enter into the heavenly Jerusalem. At Jesus' death, the Gentile centurion confessed that God has come in the flesh, while the Jews denied it. Though the Jews so carefully listened to Jesus' words and remembered them, they did not believe that he was the Son of God. On the other hand, the disciples heard, but did not remember or believe his words about the resurrection from the dead. We are called to hear these words of Christ's death, remember them, and cling to them in faith as our only salvation. Beautiful. All right, let's sing our hymn for the week. Um, before we do that, actually, let me greet those of you in the chat. We've got uh, Michael on YouTube, Gus and Eileen are on Facebook, Karen's on Facebook, Vicky's on YouTube, Lori's on Facebook, Chris is on Facebook, and so is Don and Karen. And then all Tarnet Gaming is on uh, um, on Twitch and gave us some of those uh, comments. And then also, uh, yeah, Chris says, I am a child of God. Absolutely. All right, let's begin. i 
Before we pray, it's a, Michael asks, I pray that Naomi's checkup went well. Um, yeah, it did, actually. Since uh, her hospital stay back in, uh, was that February? No, it had been January. Um, you know, because of uh, just having those cascading seizures that weren't responding. Uh, we did some medicine adjustment, and um, since then she's had uh, one seizure episode, and actually that was our fault, that she had missed a dose of her medicine. So it shows you how close <laughs> the dosing is to... Uh, keeping her from having seizures if she loses any of those meds it, it um, can have a problem but she's only had you know one seizure and like that we know of and that wasn't subclinical uh, you know since then so thanks be to god for that so that was part of the reason to check in with the doctor we're also talking about surgical option for um, brain tumors uh, the tubers there and uh, that would require a pretty long stay in the hospital because what they do is actually reduce her meds intentionally while I'm taking the EEG, the constant EEG, and then compare um, compare the um, results and try to make sure they can pinpoint that which tubers are perhaps, I mean, she has many of them, um, but there's a rather large one in the left, tem back, left temporal rear lobe, um, if that's the one. Um, even in the, in the time that I've been a pastor here, the, the uh, surgical option is... Uh, much less risky than it was. Uh, it's robotic controlled now, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing what they can do just in the last five years. So this really wasn't an option even when we uh, came five years ago. So we're always it's not it's not a cure, but it maybe allow for a reduction in medicine. So that's one thing. And then the other thing that uh, we've been in consult about, and I haven't really announced this previous, um, is that um, she when she had her hospital stay. She had a whole battery of tests, which are part of um, regular treatment for the disease. And um, they discovered a, um, a, a tumor, tumorous growth in her, um, I better get the, which organ is it? It's right next to the spleen. It would be the, <laughs> I lost it. It's not, on the one side is your, is your liver, on the other side is your pancreas. There we go. All right, so um, she has a growth in her pancreas that's not common to the disease, so it may be related. It might be something else. Um, they haven't done a biopsy because at that point you might as well just do surgery. We weren't happy with some of the uh, op, um, um, well, some of the direction that perhaps the surgery, the surgeons were going, and so we're getting a second opinion in Cincinnati at the Children's Hospital there. In it'll be uh, the, a couple weeks after Easter, so that's a whole other thing. Um, 
She also has some blood issues that we're trying to resolve as well. So uh, ongoing regular care. Having a sick child isn't easy. Um, she's a joy most of the time, but uh, sometimes, you know, it's quite a bit of difficulty. Uh, the Lord has laid that on us. And so uh, uh, keep us in our prayers with that. All right. So again, um, the pancreas, I mean, that's a serious, there's a serious need there. So we're going to have to take care of that. And uh, the brain surgery will probably be something we talk about after that. Hopefully that goes well. All right. So first consult, then we'll schedule surgery, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You see how it goes. <laughs> All right. So to answer um, Michael's question. All right. Good. So let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning. And though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in, in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and depressed, and for those struggling with sin. We pray for the households of our church, especially this week with Dick and Corey, Jim, Jim, John and Linda, Crystal and Jackie. We pray in Thanksgiving um, for the birth of Amalia Renee, who's been in church now, um, and commend her to the waters of baptism. We give thanks to God for the baptism of Frida Lynette, to Pastor Paul and Naomi. Pray for our catechumens, uh, who will be studying with me later this morning, Christian, Wyatt, Aaliyah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. We also pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Joe, Kelsey, Walt, Christopher, Brad, Betty, Doug, and Joan, John, Don, Hoshea, Pat, and Richard, our homebound, Marcella, Dan, Paul, Merlin, and Pauline, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially uh, Camp Luisimo, our mission of the month, and we pray for all those afflicted and those who are suffering. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you, for into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. It's been good to have you with us here this morning for our congregation of prayer, guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's word. Come to you each morning about 9 a.m. Thanks for your uh, questions, interactions, and your ongoing prayers. Um, tomorrow, we'll gather again in the morning for uh, daily prayer. By the way, I was working on Holy Week schedule, so just to let you know, uh, we are going to do this, but in person over at church each day throughout Holy Week. There's no school, so it should be fine. That'd be easy for us. So each morning at 9 a.m., we'll gather for prayer, uh, Monday through Saturday. And then, uh, of course, Monday, Thursday evening, we have our Monday, Thursday um, service. And then also um, Good Friday afternoon. And uh, I haven't set the time, but I think it'll be one o'clock. It'll be, you know, we'll be done about the hour that he is uh, put in the grave, about three, uh, probably before that, but so so be it. And then uh, uh, Good Friday Tenebrae service in the evening. That's the service of darkness. And 
And then uh, Holy Saturday, of course, morning prayer at nine. And then um, the Easter vigil will be in the evening, in the evening. I think that's going to work. Yeah, because the uh, Easter egg hunt this year is on. <laughs> it's on Palm Sunday afternoon. All right, good. And uh, yeah, and then Easter service at 9.30. All right. So with that, I bid you fond farewell, and I hope to see you again tomorrow. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.